You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A response. Just when it seemed like everything was against the Rockets and nothing could go right for Saturday night's game at Toyota Center against the in-state rival Spurs, that meant blowing a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter for the season as a whole. That meant what happened Thursday night, not just losing the game in Miami and having your five-game winning streak snapped, but just when it seemed that everything was going right, losing Chris Paul for the foreseeable future at least two to three weeks, with a grade 2 strain of his left hamstring, a re-aggravation at that. Just as it seemed that nothing could go right for the Rockets, trailing with under three minutes to go and the weight of the world apparently on their shoulders, James Harden, the MVP, did what you would expect an MVP to do, and he rescued them and brought home the 108-101 to victory for the Rockets, which is their sixth in seven games and improves them to 17-15 on the year while dropping the Spurs, who were very hot entering Saturday night's game. They had won 7 of 8. Well, that drops them to 18 and 16 on the year. So with that, welcome in to another happy post-game episode of Locked on Rockets, your home for daily and post-game commentary on all things Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. Over the next 25 minutes or so, we're going to break down Saturday night's 108 to 101 win over the Spurs through a number of angles. Certainly, James Harden, the MVP of the league, scoring 39 points, having 10 assists, and personally leading a 12-4 run with nine of the aforementioned 12 in the final three minutes. He did his part. He did the heavy lifting that you would like an MVP to do, but it was a collective team effort to beat a good Spurs team Without Chris Paul, you can't do it with one player. You've got to have contributions up and down the roster. Clint Capella, 21 and 23. And really, it's the rebounding. The Rockets out-rebounded San Antonio 58 to 43, completely flipping the script from the storyline in Thursday night's loss to Miami when they were out-rebounded by 20. And we discussed that at length on the postgame show. The effort was better. Shooting for the Rockets, they made 19 threes, but it was very hit or miss. They scored just 13 points in the second quarter, 41 in the first half. They seemed ice cold. Then they hit nine three-pointers in the third quarter alone. They couldn't miss. Then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, it went from a 16-point lead with 10 minutes to go to all of a sudden a 21-4 run by the Spurs over the next seven-plus minutes to where the Spurs led by one heading into the final three minutes. So it was very streaky, and to some extent that's to be expected, especially without Chris Paul. The easier buckets are not going to be there as often, especially in the minutes that James Harden is trying to rest. But the upshot to it is that the Rockets hit just enough shots, especially at the key moments, the big-time inflection points in the game. They cut it to just two at the half, despite in the first half their play potentially being worthy of a 10-point deficit. The rebounding kept them close, hit a couple of big shots before the break. And then, of course, late in the game, they had the separation in the third quarter. And then when the Spurs hit him with that punch, well, James Harden had the counter. And that, to me, is the big storyline. We'll talk about the rebounding in segment two of our usual three-points recap. We'll also, as we close out, discuss a few of the tweaks that Mike D'Antoni made to the rotation in his first game without Chris Paul, at least this current Chris Paul absence. That included the sudden reemergence of Gary Clark in the rotation in the second half. We'll talk about those things as we move through our postgame show, but 
to lead off, it's all about James Harden, because I don't want to forget about the other guys. We should acknowledge Eric Gordon, even though for the game as a whole, 7 of 20, 18 points, 4 of 12, that's below the standards of efficiency you would want, 35% overall, 33% from 3. He did hit a big shot, though, with barely over a couple of minutes left to break the tie, and also he had 6 assists. So without Chris Paul, Eric Gordon needed to step up as a facilitator. He did give him credit off the bench drill. Green had five threes, four of them in the second half. So again, to beat a good team without Chris Paul, and that's what you're trying to do right now, it can't be just James Harden. Because the schedule the Rockets have coming up, the, the Thunder and Celtics the next couple of games, the Warriors the week after that, without Chris Paul, it's going to be difficult. When you have James Harden, you always have a chance because he can take over games late. But throughout the balance of 48 minutes, you're going to have to have contributions up and down the roster. It can't be just leaning on one or two players anymore. And for the Rockets to stay afloat without Chris Paul, and really that's the only goal, I don't think anyone can reasonably expect the Rockets to continue winning at the breakneck pace they had been five in a row, and they seemed well on their way to this sixth in a row when they were up by 16 early in the game in Miami before Chris Paul went out. When you combine no CP3, he's one of your two elite player foundation. So you take out that, and then you couple it with playing one of the more difficult stretches of your schedule all season long. It's not going to be easy. You just have to find ways to get games where you can, and that's what made this one so big. It would have been an enormous loss had the Rockets let it slip away, because in this stretch for the next two or three weeks without Chris Paul, there are going to be some games where the Rockets just simply aren't good enough. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but there are going to be some games where the Thunder, the Celtics, the Warriors, teams like that, if they come out and execute, they're just better than the Rockets from a talent perspective. And other than hoping you have a really brilliant game from behind the arc, there's not that much you can do about it. What you have to try and do is steal games when you can, also get the effort points, which as rebounded, the Rockets were plus 15 there tonight. And the Rockets, this was a feel-good win, but had they lost it, especially with a 16-17 point lead and fallen back to 500, it would have been devastating. And that's why what James Harden did in the final three minutes of that game, again, the Rockets going on a 12-4 run to finish it, including nine of the 12 from James Harden, just breathtaking. A pair of step-back threes that just blew the roof off of Toyota Center. One, when they were down one, it put them back up a couple of points with barely over two minutes to go. Another, when they were up three with about a minute left and wanting the dagger, that's what he provided. And then if that wasn't the dagger, well, the next time he drew a foul on his next three because the Spurs had to fear him that much, and he made all three free throws. So kudos to James. And I thought it was especially appropriate that he did it against the Spurs because when you think of James Harden's career legacy, I know by and large he's been fantastic in now his seventh season here in Houston. He's the MVP a year ago, but the sour points have come at times in clutch situations. Prior to last year, the Rockets had not been that great in close games, at least the two prior seasons. And it wasn't always fair to put that on Harden, especially with the workload that had been put on him, especially in that MVP year before Chris Paul was there and after the departure slash regression of Dwight Howard. He had a burden on him that most other stars in the NBA did not, especially over 82 games. But regardless, two years ago, that season ended against these same Spurs on a very sour note. Certainly the end of Game 5, all of Game 6, it seemed like the Rockets collectively and James Harden individually against that Greg Popovich defense, they just ran out of gas. And last year's team took such a huge step forward, getting to the Western Conference Finals, basically being a hamstring away from knocking off the best team ever assembled in the Warriors and winning the title. A lot of that has been 
chalked up to the additions of Chris Paul and to a lesser extent P.J. Tucker, and I think they deserve credit for that. But one of the reasons you get those guys, it's not just what they provide you individually, it's also the culture, the sense of toughness that permeates that locker room that maybe hasn't been there in the past. And James Harden's still not even 30 years old. There's also just some still natural growth. I think there is with James individually. Now he's 29. He's secure of himself here in Houston. He's got his MVP. And even if it wasn't fair, that was a situation, especially against that opponent, Greg Popovich and the Spurs, that in the past has not exactly been James's calling card, even in the regular season. There were some games, go back to the game in San Antonio, and I think March 2017, when Kawhi Leonard had that big block at the end of the game. This was an opponent that over the years has somewhat been his bugaboo, maybe not in Oklahoma City, because we all know what he did in the Western Conference Finals when he basically put them on his back and got the Thunder to the Finals before his trade to Houston, but at least with the Rockets, the Spurs have been, to a small extent, his kryptonite. Well, to see him in a game like this where there was enormous game pressure, the Rockets had lost a 17-point fourth quarter lead, the Spurs were on a 21-4 run, and if the Rockets had lost this game with everything else that had been happening with Chris Paul and the fact that the Thunder, who have the best record in the West, or close to it, the Celtics, the Warriors, those teams looming, it would have been a devastating loss. Instead, it's a feel-good win. It keeps the momentum going. Really, the Rockets won six out of seven, and the only loss was on the second night of a back-to-back, a classic schedule loss in Miami. So it feels like the Rockets took one of this hell stretch. Game one at that, it starts you out on the right foot, keeps the vibes in the right place, And it wasn't as if the Spurs gave him or the Rockets anything. It was good defense from Derek White. It took tough shots in isolation late in the shot clock. And James Harden, with so much game pressure and season pressure on him specifically, especially after losing Chris Paul, James simply delivered. That's what an MVP does. And you should expect it. That's why you're paying him the big bucks. That's why he's the MVP. But to see him have that game under pressure against that opponent, all without Chris Paul, I do think it's feel good about James in particular because it reminds you of how far he's come. Even if Chris Paul isn't out there on the floor with them tonight, I do think some of it you can chalk up to his presence. CP, PJ Tucker, he has made the Rockets, those two really, just a tougher, more culture-oriented locker room. And James, even relative to two years ago when he deserved to win MVP of the league, he's an even better player now. Certainly the stats on the season as a whole prove it. I believe he's now averaging more points and close to the same rebounds and assists as he did a year ago in his MVP season. But in addition to that, now we're starting to see him take over late in close games, which is something the Rockets are going to have to do if they are going to navigate the landmine of this tough schedule combined with Chris Paul's minimum of two to three week absence and keep them in a position to where they can finally, hopefully, go back on that run and get back to where they want to be once they get Chris Paul back in January. Now, as we continue our three points recap of Saturday night's 108-101 win by the Rockets over the hated San Antonio Spurs in Houston, we let off talking about James Harden because when the chips were down, he's the guy who made the big shots. He had nine in the final 12. For the game, he had 39 and 10. And when you look at the pressure of the season as a whole, the Rockets entered well below expectations, even with the win. They're just at 17 and 15. When you look at the game pressure, losing a 17-point 
fourth quarter lead. When you look at the fact that over his career, the Spurs have somewhat been his kryptonite. To see James Harden score nine of the final 12 in, while putting up overall 39 and 10. I know he did it on high volume with 34 shot attempts, but without Chris Paul, it's not going to be pretty. I know the Rockets were streaky. They had nine made threes in the third quarter. They had 13 points in the second quarter, and they had a seven-minute stretch in the fourth quarter where they scored just four points. Without Chris Paul, it's going to be that way, especially in the periods like early in the second and fourth quarters when James Harden is not in the game. There's really no way around that. So for the Rockets to navigate that and get wins, especially in this stretch against all difficult opponents, again, the Spurs, even though with the loss they fall to 18-16 and 16 on the year, just two games over 500 like the Rockets, they entered having won seven or last eight and playing really quality ball in December. It can't just be James Harden alone. Now you can count on the MVP to deliver at key inflection points, like late in the game. If it's close, he could bring you home. That's why I always say that if you have James Harden, you have a chance. But to outplay a team over 48 minutes, it can't be just James Harden. And for the Rockets tonight, when you look at the stat sheet as a whole, where their big advantage on San Antonio stood out was rebounding. 58-43. to And in particular, Clint Capella, 23 boards in 35 minutes. P.J. Tucker, 16 rebounds in 35 minutes. Between the two of them, 39. To put it in perspective, the Rockets, when they got out-rebounded by 20 in Thursday's loss, Mike D'Antoni called them out a bit. Even though it was the second night of a back-to-back, there were some tired legs, you get out-rebounded by 20 in a two-point loss. It was there for the taking. They were held accountable. They got a day off Friday, didn't practice, got to fully recharge, and boy, did they respond. The 39 rebounds between Capella and Tucker was nearly equivalent to the 41 for the Rockets' entire team on Thursday. That's how much they wanted it. And with P.J. in particular, I can't imagine how much pain he was in. He went through a nasty spill early in the second half. He landed on his hip. Just a brutal fall. He was limping, stayed down for a couple of minutes, grimaced when he stayed in the game, somehow gutted through all of that. This is a six foot six power forward to give you 16 boards in 35 minutes, also hit two of his three from behind the arc, and played his usual stellar defense on the perimeter. Can't say enough about his toughness, and of course the same goes with James Harden. But in terms of the rebounding battle, Look, it's going to be your power forward and your center that set the tone, especially if you're the Rockets and you're, well, at least lately, you've been starting three guards with James Harden, Eric Gordon, and Chris Paul. Now you're going to be a bit more traditional. The Rockets tonight went with Daniel House in the starting lineup at the three, James Harden, Eric Gordon as the backcourt. Now there's no CP. But for the Rockets as a whole, it's not like there's even a backup power forward right now. There's PJ, there's Clint, and there's a lot of wing players, and then there's guards. So they have to do the heavy lifting. The Rockets on the year have been one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league. It killed them on Thursday in Miami, and they flipped it. And the one potential silver lining with the Rockets, I'm not going to say they should out-rebound many other teams going forward by 15. Certainly the Thunder and Steven Adams are going to be a very different beast. But the one thing that they do have going for them, they don't have a back-to-back for a while. Thursday's game in Miami was a bit of an outlier because not just a back-to-back with the long plane flight from Houston to Miami, getting in at 3 a.m. local time or after at the hotel, probably being on just five or six hours sleep. That's not normal. And that did probably contribute some to the lack of legs on the rebounding. Now, Miami is a particularly hard matchup. Give credit to Hassan Whiteside and James Johnson, by the way, the Heat, very rested. It had three full days off before. So really, that was a perfect storm. And now the Rockets lose Chris Paul, which puts them behind the eight ball in a number of areas. But the one thing that the Rockets need to do, of course, for the season as a whole, they need to be better at rebounding. But it's especially important now because the Rockets aren't going to be 
the offensive juggernaut that they've been for the past month when they've been far and away the, the league's number one offense. Without Chris Paul, I don't think that's reasonable. They're going to be streaky. They should be pretty good when James Harden's still in the game, but especially the minutes that James is out, those are going to be rocky. A lot of the time it's going to depend on are the threes falling or are they not? And a lot of that just comes down to sheer randomness. Well, if your threes are in or out, you're going to fall out of games on your off stretches unless you rebound enough to get enough second chance points, hustle plays to keep you alive. And that's where the schedule could help the Rockets. The Rockets don't have another back-to-back in this expected two- to four-week stretch without Chris Paul. In fact, they don't have another back-to-back until February. You look, they've got, they have two days off between now and the next game, which is on Christmas, the matinee against the Thunder here in Houston. Then they get the Celtics on Thursday, the Pelicans Saturday, the Grizzlies the following Sunday. Then you don't play again until the Warriors that Thursday in Oakland, Portland that Saturday, Denver the following Monday. There are no back-to-backs. Sorry, I said that wrong. There is one back-to-back, Sunday, January 13th, and Monday, January 14th, against the Magic and Grizzlies. Second half is at home, and by then, Chris Paul might be back anyway. The point is, this hell stretch of the next six to eight games with the likes of the Thunder, the Warriors, the Celtics, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, the Nuggets, none of those are back-to-back. So that does give you an opportunity to bring more energy, and quite frankly, that's what you're going to need, because you don't have the playmakers, the scoring to keep up with those guys like you could if you had your normal James Harden and Chris Paul foundation. You should still be a pretty good offense with James Harden. He's that that good by himself and how he makes things easier for your entire team. But you're not going to be good enough to offset just a terrible rebounding team. The one silver lining for the Rockets is that you are a little bit bigger. Now, if you continue starting Daniel House, that's one thing. Maybe that helps you a little bit on the glass. But more than size, I think a lot of it is just effort, and the Rockets should be in the position to give a little bit more with the games more spaced out. And above all else, that's what you're going to have to watch over the next couple of weeks, at least, without Chris Paul. How bad do they want it? It's not going to be pretty. You're going to have to grind. You're going to have to play gritty. All these cliches, they're appropriate for the Rockets right now, because especially with the schedule they have coming up, they're not good enough to just line up and beat teams. They need James Harden doing his thing, but it's got to be complemented by role players that make shots at key times and do enough little things, the hustle plays, to keep possessions alive, chip away at the margins. That's how you can steal games, which to some extent the Rockets did tonight. Now granted, they made it look easy at times. The third quarter was just out of this world when they made nine threes, but for the game as a whole, The Spurs, there were times that they made it very, very difficult on the Rockets to score. Their defense in December has gotten a lot better, and Houston, they went generally as their threes went. And to some extent, you had periods in which James Harden was able to attack the rim. He did get to the line nine times and made eight of those, although three of James' shots at the line came in the final minute. The bottom line is that without Chris Paul and with a very difficult upcoming schedule, I don't think you're looking at a continuation of the streak, even though it feels pretty good. The Rockets, they're not on a streak, but they've won six of seven. You're going to lose some games in here. What you just have to hope you can do, the combination of losing Chris Paul and this tough schedule, is tread water, stay at or above 500 until he comes back in January, and then at that point, make your run when he's back and the schedule eases up. Well, the way you can steal games in this stretch, it's not just James Harden willing you to the finish line. It's also going to be 
the second chance points, and Clint Capella and P.J. Tucker taking on a Herculean workload. Kudos to them for doing that Saturday. But the good news, if there is any for the Rockets, at least the back-to-backs aren't going to be a factor for nearly a month. And then because of that, that should free the Rockets up to have a little bit more energy, to be a little more spry, which is what they need to get through this stretch, especially with the next game looming three days away, well, two-plus now, on Christmas afternoon against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's what the Rockets need and have to look forward to. It's going to take more effort like we saw Saturday against the Spurs, but at least for one night, the Rockets delivered, and because of that, they're back to multiple games over 500 at 17 and 15 as they await the Thunder on Christmas. More on that as we close out our podcast and also talk about the tweaks that Mike D'Antoni is making to his rotation as they embark upon this multi-week stretch without Chris Paul. Final thoughts as we conclude our three points recap. The rotation tonight for Mike D'Antoni was interesting. I talked after Chris Paul's hamstring injury on Thursday about the need potentially to sign someone externally. I think that's still there because the reality, Brandon Knight has not shot the ball well since his return. He was 0 of 4 tonight. None of his threes looked even close. And over the balance of the next couple of weeks without Chris Paul, now it helps that you don't have any back-to-backs in there, as we mentioned in the last segment. But that's going to put a lot of extra burden on James Harden and Eric Gordon. Now, the good news, I thought Mike D'Antoni did a decent job with his rotation tonight. The only player that was over the mid-30s in minutes was James Harden at 41, but I think it's different because A, he's James, but more than that, they knew they had two games off after, or two days off, excuse me, after this, so that's why you could push him a hair. I don't think you do that if there's a game, say, you're in an every other day routine. They know they can get James a full day off tomorrow in all likelihood before getting back to practice on Monday. The other reason why, even though I think the Rockets could use an addition, it wasn't really the time because with the Rockets so beaten up after the three and four night stretch and the back-to-back Wednesday against Washington, Thursday in Miami, they took Friday off altogether. Well, they weren't going to sign someone and then throw them potentially into an NBA game without even going through a practice, and they weren't going to practice Friday because they were so beaten up. Now, you'll have a chance to get in at least one practice, maybe two. We'll have to see how Mike and Tony handles it between now and Christmas. So if they want to bring in someone, there actually is a time to integrate them. Yes, it could be Austin Rivers, but there are other quality, experienced street-free agents as well. Corey Brewer someone I've talked about before. But really, the NBA, there are a lot of guys that are out there, veterans, that wouldn't normally be. But there aren't as many teams that are going all out these days with the Warriors setting the bar as high as they have. So if the Rockets want to fortify their depth, they do have an open roster spot, then they can do that. Now there's an opportunity to get in more practice time for any of those guys before putting them into a game. Now, the one thing I will give Mike D'Antoni credit for. First, as mentioned, he couldn't have made a move before Saturday night's game because of the practice thing. That just made it a non-starter. But I do like that Mike D'Antoni was willing to trust Gary Clark in the second half He hadn't been a rotation player in weeks, didn't play at all in the first half, but it was clear that Brandon Knight didn't have it, and if you don't trust Brandon Knight to play 20 minutes, it's going to be hairy. I said this when I was laying out Friday on Twitter uh, on my timeline at Ben DuBose. I was going through a Mock Rockets minutes exercise without Chris Paul with the status quo, and the only way I could get to 240 minutes on average was if Brandon Knight played 15 plus and in many cases closer to 20 minutes per game. There was no other way to make it work. 
Now, you can work with an eight-man rotation. That's certainly not unprecedented, especially if there are no back-to-backs. I think, ideally, you'd like to have nine, but eight is certainly not unfathomable. You can work with that. The problem is, with Brandon Knight not having played basketball in a year and a half, I think he's fine physically. It's just there's a ton of rust after all that time. Right now, his threes aren't even close. There are going to be close games, like what happened Saturday against the Spurs, where you don't feel comfortable sticking with Brandon Knight, even though you know you should, because otherwise you're going to be playing guys 40-plus minutes, and they're going to break down. So in the second half, when it was clear that D'Antoni couldn't throw Brandon Knight out there for very long, he dusted off Gary Clark, also helped that P.J. Tucker got into a bit of foul trouble with four fouls, but really positions don't matter. I know you say, well, Gary Clark's a forward and Brandon Knight's a guard. Well, with the Rockets, their backup power forward right now is Daniel House, who is their starting small forward. The positions are interchangeable. They're just looking for bodies at this point without Chris Paul. They just need minutes to get filled, and they can tweak who plays what position as need be uh, on a given night and go matchup to matchup. Gary Clark, in the second half, played nine minutes. I know he had just three points and three boards, but A, his three at the buzzer at the end of the third quarter for the Rockets up 15. It was a huge momentum shot. And in those nine minutes, he was plus nine, which other than James Harden, who was plus 14 in his 41 minutes, was the best plus minus of anyone on the floor for the Rockets all night. Yes, it helped that he made the three. That's the only shot of the game. He hadn't shot that well before falling out of the rotation, and that was a big part of it because he seemed to lose confidence in his stroke. But his defense was also very steady, did a lot of the little things that made me and other commentators kind of draw some parallels to Chuck Hayes, albeit not at the center position, just in terms of how he sees the floor on the defensive end from an intellectual perspective. Gary Clark, wise beyond his years, even as just a rookie out of the University of Cincinnati. So I'm not saying that based on nine minutes in the second half against the Spurs that I'm ready to say Gary Clark is ready for the rotation again. There could be matchups where you need more of a guard presence, and I think that's why James had to go 41 minutes, and you wouldn't want that if you didn't have two days off after the game. So I still, in a perfect world, would use that roster spot to sign a guard. I mentioned Austin Rivers before. There are other options. We'll see what the Rockets do. I don't really take anything out of them not signing someone the last couple of days because, again, there wasn't a practice to put them in. And also, Friday, they were waiting on a diagnosis with Chris Paul in terms of the timetable. Is it grade one? Is it grade two? Is it grade three? Which Peter Vesey erroneously reported. Thankfully, that was uh, erroneous, uh, that would have completely changed your priorities in terms of what do you have to do, who do you sign. Right now, you know you're probably looking for a two- to four-week band-aid rather than something more permanent in terms of who you bring in and what their long-term uh, effect is. So I would preferably like to still see the Rockets go out and sign someone. My guess is that they are at least considering that. But at least Mike D'Antoni showed an awareness Saturday that no matter what, he seems to get that a seven-man rotation this early in the year is not going to fly. And that was my fear, because if you have an eight-man rotation and one of your eight is Brandon Knight, who has an enormous amount of rust, then some games, especially against tougher opponents if it's close, well, that eight-man rotation is going to magically shrink down to seven and a half or even seven. So I think by inserting Gary Clark, we know it's tough for Mike D'Antoni to trust rookies, especially guys that have not been in the rotation at all in recent weeks, and to go from not playing at all to being inserted in the second half of a close game, that is not a normal Mike D'Antoni decision. So kudos to Mike. That showed me, and I think he was rewarded because Gary Clark played well, but it showed me that he gets it. 
Now, I would still like the Rockets to go out and use that extra roster spot because I think there are times you could use another ball handling presence without Chris Ball. And the fact that it's a hamstring, even though they seem to have dodged a more severe bullet, you never know if it might reoccur. So having a fourth guard you can trust, I would like them to do that. But the worst case scenario isn't just not signing an extra body. It's not signing an extra body. And Mike D'Antoni pretty much sticking with the same rotation minus CP with only a slight increase to Brandon Knight. And what we saw Saturday was that Mike D'Antoni realizes that, no, that's not going to fly. Kudos to Mike. And I think Gary Clark's minutes in the second half were a big part of the Rockets going on that run. Again, Gary was plus nine in his nine minutes and played a big role in the Rockets winning that game. Ultimately, it's just one game. The Rockets are going to have to keep doing that. Moving forward, I would like them to continue to look externally and bring in someone for that last roster spot, preferably a guard. But I do think you can take some encouragement that Mike D'Antoni sees the need. He made an adjustment. He did something that he wouldn't normally do in terms of trusting a rookie in a tight spot. It paid off. That tells me that Mike gets it. That's important. There are other things you can do to further supplement that, especially in terms of the front office. Daryl Morey, Tillman Fertitta, signing someone, paying the financial commitment. All those are real. I'm not meaning to diminish that. I'm just saying step one is to see on the floor, does Mike D'Antoni appreciate that need because he has a reputation for running guys into the ground at times, fair or unfair. That's something that's dogged him back to the Phoenix days. Well, tonight I liked what he saw trusting Gary Clark and both D'Antoni and the Rockets were rewarded with that as Houston went on the run in the second half, and then, with James Harden there to shut the door late, got the 108-101 to win, improving them to 17-15 and on the year and representing their sixth win in the last seven games. So, on that relatively positive note, I think that's an appropriate point to end this Saturday night recap episode of Locked on Rockets. As always, I appreciate y'all so much for tuning in. If you want more content before our next show, which will be a couple of days, I'm going to take a bit of time off for the holidays unless there's an unexpected signing that warrants a show. If there is, of course, we'll break in because that's what we do here at Locked on Rockets. We cover not just the games, but breaking news as well. But if it's relatively quiet, I'm going to enjoy some time with my family. I hope you all are able to as well. And then, of course, we'll jump back Christmas night to recap whatever happens on the floor when the Rockets play the Thunder. But if you want more content before then, the best place to get it, of course, is on Twitter. I am on there at Ben Dubose. The show is on there at Locked on Rockets. But in addition to Twitter, we've got a Facebook account, facebook.com slash LockdownRockets, a website, LockdownRockets.com, an email address, LockdownRockets at gmail.com. All those are ways you can access our prior content, ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, advertising inquiries. Also, on the subject of social media, LockedOnNBANet is the handle on both Twitter and Instagram for the LockedOn Podcast Network's NBA channel. That's local experts, not just myself, but other teams across the association. You want local coverage? You want to see the perspective from Oklahoma City on Tuesday or Boston on Thursday? Well, follow LockedOnNBANet on Twitter and Instagram, and you'll hear what they're saying on the other sides of the fence as well. Also, if you have not subscribed to the show already, please do. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, etc., etc. We've got a great network of shows across the Lockdown Podcast Network, not just the NBA, but the NFL. That includes the Houston Texans, who have a big game Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles with a bye on the line in the first round. Texans trying to go for the division title as well. So, of course, check out Lockdown Texans. Then my friends Robert Land and Brian Patterson will have full coverage and a recap on their channel, but you can find them at the same platforms you listen to Locked on Rockets because of the strength of that collective network. Also, even a few shows across MLB and college sports. So yeah, wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe, leave a five-star review. That's how we can look attractive to potential advertisers and keep the business model rolling as the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball and Houston Texans football. And of course, if you subscribe, not only do you help us out with advertisers, you get the benefit of episodes being delivered directly to your inbox, even before I'm able to post them to my Twitter account. 
also, besides just the listening platforms, we're also working with uh, voice networks. So if you use voice assistants, then just say play podcast Lockdown Rockets and whether you're in the car traveling over the holidays or whatever you might be doing, then yeah, your voice assistant should be able to find the latest episode of Lockdown Rockets or Lockdown Texans for you that way as well. So with those plugs out of the way, this is where I will sign off. Again, barring something unexpected or some sort of breaking news, this will probably be it for a couple of days, and then we'll jump back into our routine on Christmas to recap whatever happens between the Rockets and the Thunder. For now, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and one final time, the happy final from Toyota Center on Saturday night. Rockets 108, Spurs 101. Merry Christmas. Consider that your gift. But please come back for more post-Christmas gifts right here at Lockdown Rockets, your home for daily discussion of Houston Rockets basketball.